CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. There is a kind of human eloquence more telling more forcible than the loudest words, than the choicest diction. It is the suffering of some great heartbreaking sorrow with sealed lips. But how many of us have the fortitude to bear our pain in silence, or for that matter, our joy? So natural is the urge to speak, what could possibly keep anyone from doing so? Look, my dear, how long has it been since we have seen so many happy faces? Oh, we couldn't have asked for a finer wedding celebration for our daughter. And yet, just now, I thought I saw something in her expression. As she spun around just now amidst the dancers, I saw a strange look in her eyes. A look? What kind of look? A look almost of our mystery drama, The Silent Woman, is based on a story by Leopold Compert. It was adapted especially for the Mystery Theater by Percy Granger and stars John Beale and Robert Dryden. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Maybe you've got a neighbor who just bought a new Electra, and he's gotten so smug and self-satisfied lately, you can't stand it. Well, look at it this way. If you had just gotten a car with all the luxury and prestige of Electra, and a trim European-like design that makes it easier than you might imagine to park and maneuver in city traffic, wouldn't you be a little insufferable for a while? We thought so. The new Electra, at your Buick dealers now. A little at fools is one of the oldest mankind. We are pleased to consider ourselves superior to such people. But there is another tradition regarding the fool, that he is really the wisest of men whose only failing is that he cannot dissemble. I personally prefer this tradition, for the following story is told us by a fool, and it would be a shame to think it weren't true. The time is the last century. We're in a small town in Central Europe, in a cemetery. She was a woman of exceeding virtue. The most loyal of wives. And the best of mothers. She was. She was. Come, sister, be silent. Please relent. Now that my wife is gone, can't you soften your heart? One mustn't speak unkindly of the dead. Then I cannot speak at all. They call me Na, the fool. When I was young, it bothered me, but now, well, how many people of my poor background can boast of a title? But it is not my story I want to tell you. 
today, my master, the Rabbi Mendel, has buried a most remarkable woman about whom, as you've just heard, opinion was sharply divided. Her name was Vela, and she was married to our wealthiest merchant, a kindly man named Franz Yomar. Vela was very beautiful, but somewhat silly and frivolous, and many people predicted much trouble in her marriage. But something happened, for her marriage appeared to be a success. Except in one very, very strange particular. In the 27 years it lasted, she was never once heard to utter a single word. Vela, are you awake? It's Bezel, your sister-in-law. Look, look what I have in my arms. Your child, it's a girl. The doctor says she is healthy and strong. Look how active she is already and barely two hours old. Look, she's holding out her arms for you. She recognizes you. Sailor, Sailor, will you not speak to her? But though tears of joy came to Vela's eyes as she cradled the child to her breast, she did not speak. Nor was her silence broken at the birth of her son some years later. But the most severe time in all her marriage came on the eve of her daughter's wedding. A great plague was sweeping the countryside. Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! Vela! Vela! It's France! I'm home! Oh, brother... Brother, I'm so glad you're back. Yes, not a moment too soon. I was terrified that my business in Prague would have forced a delay and my daughter to be married this very evening. Where's Vela? Oh. Vela, what's the matter? You're crying. Oh, it's too awful. Where is everyone? Where are the guests, the musicians? They should be arriving. There's not to be any wedding. Has something happened to the groom? Has the plague taken hold of him? No. Well, then what is it? Your daughter. Oh, oh no. The plague has got her in its grip. She's not expected to live. Is she in her room? Yes. Vela is with her. Vela? Vela, tell me. Our child. Look at me, Vela. Our child is... Our child is dead. Vela's cry of anguish echoed in her husband's ears. But though she wept as they bore her daughter's body away, not a word of complaint passed her lips. Thus did she bear all joy and sorrow in deep silence for 27 years. And for 27 of those years, an argument has raged between Franz and his old maid sister, Bettel. I tell you, it's nothing but willful malice on her part. No, sure you're wrong, Bettel. Are you jealous? Not in the least. 
Leela used to boast how she would break hearts. But I never thought it would be my own brother she'd make so miserable. But, Bethel, I'm not miserable. The only thing that makes me unhappy are these arguments. Do you want me to leave your house, then? You'd expel your own sister? No, no, only please keep your voice down. It hurts Vela deeply to know that you disapprove of her so. Then why will she not speak? I... I don't know. I know she wants to. Sometimes I can see her lips move, almost forming the words. It must be some physical deformity. Nonsense. She was the picture of health until the very day of her wedding. And she can utter every sound except those of speech. What deformity could be so selective? Well, there are those who say that, that she's been bewitched. You are a prosperous merchant. You are my brother. How can you believe such superstition? If it is not a physical deformity, then what could possibly prevent her from speaking, if not a supernatural force? Some of our most trusted friends, people who were at the wedding, who danced with her, say that they noticed something odd. Why did no one speak up at the time? They swear that there must have been an evil eye on her, one jealous of her beauty. Is this not possible? Uh, I'm sure I don't know. She's mocking your weakness to your face. If I were you, I'd give her a good hiding. No, no, I could never do a thing like that. What has happened is God's will. It is a mystery not given us to know. I am certain her power of speech is in some way paralyzed. And I can't live any other way but to have faith that it will someday be restored. It was certainly doubtful whether Franz's faith was going to be rewarded. The years fled by. Their son grew into a handsome fellow and quite a scholar to boot. The time came for him to go study with the first-rate teacher in Hungary. Years he would be gone before he would see his parents again. Yet though her eyes were full of sorrow and pride, Vela let him go from her embrace without a word of blessing. Then, only a few weeks ago, Vela was taken ill. And yesterday, as I was walking down the street past the house, a servant girl ran up to me and begged me to go at once to Franz Yomar's office. Who is it? It is I, your worship. Leibnar, what are you doing here? You must come with me at once. Your wife's illness has taken a turn for the worse. How bad is it? The doctor has left, and the rabbi has been sent for. me. Franz. How tired you look, my dear. You're ready for sleep, aren't you? I can see in your eyes that you are. Vela, can you not now speak to me? Is there no prayer, no miracle that can loosen your tongue and free you from whatever curse has possessed you all these years? I know I'm not the best of men, but if God would only grant me this one wish. There's so little time left. Brother. Brother, is he still alive? Yes. The rabbi is on his way. He wants very much to see her. 
He says he must see her before she dies. Hush, Bethel, don't speak of death so openly. Because she cannot speak, do you think she has no ears? Her cheek is burning. Layla, if I could only hear your voice once more. I've never doubted you, never reproached you. Franz, be quiet. You're exciting her too much. Rabbi Mendel says he must see her. Look! Look, her lips are moving. She wants water. No, she wants to speak. I can see the words forming. Let her save her strength. She's struggling. She's wrestling with the very devil. Vela, Vela, I have loved you so much all these years. Oh, God, living God, shall I not now speak? Praises, praises to God. She's fainted. Baylor. Baylor. It's no use. She's dead. She spoke. She spoke. It was a miracle. I'm sure it was no miracle. This only proves she could have spoken any time she wished. Rabbi Mendel was very upset that he did not reach Vela's bedside before she died. Oh, was he upset. The night after the funeral, however, he was still brooding. And when I brought in his meat for supper, he was still staring at his soup. What do you see in that bowl that's so fascinating, Rabbi? I see a fool, Labe. Well, your secret is safe with me. After all, one of us has to pretend to be a rabbi, otherwise how could we afford to live in so grand a style? <laughs> what grand style? Why use a perfectly good bowl of soup for a looking glass when any rain puddle would do just as well? I Labe. Between us, we make one passable human being. I shouldn't waste time brooding... But if only I had hurried faster. They say she spoke anyway. A single sentence. Mm, I don't think that mattered to poor Mr. Franz. I saw his eyes when he came from her room. I've never seen such happiness in the midst of such sorrow. Twenty-seven years. I've never seen anything like it. You remember the night of her wedding? Oh, yes, I remember. I remember everything. Oh, uh, see who that is, huh? Lab? Oh, good evening, Mr. Franz and Miss Bettle. Good evening, Lab. Is the rabbi here? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Let me of ask. Of course I'm here. Why do you have to ask? A moment ago, you were in the past. Just shut the door. Forgive us for disturbing your evening meal, rabbi. But we must have judgment. Judgment? Yes, there hasn't been peace between my sister and myself for 27 years. And now that Vale is dead, it will be worse than ever. I'd be willing to drop the whole matter if France didn't insist on referring to Vela's last words as a miracle. But that's what they were. A miracle. Is this not so, Rabbi? She was the ultimate shrew. My old friends, you are both wrong. What? The miracle is not that she broke her silence with her last breath, but that for 27 years, she did not speak. 
We know things are often not as they seem. How dull life would be if they were. And how little we would know of human nature. For so much of what most deeply motivates us is hidden far beneath the surface world of appearances. We shall begin to see beneath the surface of Vela's world when I return with Act Two. It takes more than good paint to get a good-looking paint job. Hi, Pat Summerall to suggest you go to your True Value Hardware store and see their selection of paint accessories that can help you get a professional-looking result for a fraction of professional cost. One of their handiest painting accessories is the True Test 8-piece roller painting kit for just $3.99. It includes almost everything you need for your next painting job. You get a 9-inch roller cover, frame, roller extension, paint tray, one and a half inch trim brush, and more, all for just $3.99. True Value Hardware Stores also offer a complete selection of quality True Test Orel paint brushes. Choose from their selection of varnish enamel brushes, wall brushes, angular sash brushes in a variety of sizes from just $1.98. Get the True Test 8-piece roller painting kit and quality True Test Oriel paint brushes exclusively at participating True Value hardware stores and home centers. And remember True Value, much more than just a name, our way of doing business. a carefree and irresponsible young girl married a timid, serious young man, idle tongues got ready to wag. Then literally overnight, she was transformed into a sedate, mature woman, an excellent wife and mother, in all respects, save that she would not or could not speak. Through grief and joy, only her eyes told the story of what her heart was feeling. And now that that heart beats no longer... The mystery surrounding her looms larger than ever. Rabbi, you say it was a miracle that she did not speak? Vela was a worthy among worthies, a saint. What? Oh, but this is disgraceful. She was doing it deliberately. You asked me to render judgment. It has been rendered. Now, if you will let me get back to my meal, Leib will show you to the door. Good evening. A thousand thanks, Rabbi. Come, Bethel. No. This judgment makes you happy, of course, Franz. It vindicates your simple faith. And it makes me look like a fool. Good, madam, please. Let the rabbi eat. If he does not eat, he will be in a bad humor. And if he's in a bad humor, he will expect me to get him out of it. And I'm very tired. Lab is right, sister. It is late. I will not hear a woman praised who sat by in silence at times when most mothers could not have found words enough to express their feelings. Well, then perhaps she was the wise one for not even trying. Now, please, good night. <sighs> but one does not solve a problem by shutting a door in its face any more than one converts a person by silencing him. It took them a whole 24 hours, but the very next night, they were back. Rabbi Mendel? Ah, uh, Franz, good evening. Is Bethel with you? Uh, good evening, Rabbi. We're, we're sorry to trouble you again, but remember that judgment you rendered last night? I want proof that your judgment is sound, Rabbi. You say Vela was a worthy among worthies. But what do you know of this matter that you can render such a verdict? Well, what I know is perhaps better left unsaid. Uh-huh. I do not like the sound of that. Rabbi... I'm afraid you must tell us. For you have now undone the effect of your judgment altogether. 
Very well, my friends. Sit down. I must begin by asking you to recall that night, the night of the wedding. I can still recall Mr. and Mrs. Clattener. Oh, what generous, warm-hearted people they were. We must remember everything just as it happened. As they talked, the scene became more and more vivid until it seemed as if we were all transported back to that strange occasion. Oh, yes, I was invited too. There's an old custom that on all festive occasions someone should be present as a reminder of life's darker side, lest people in their reveling forget the sorrows of this world. A good custom, so they hire a fool. You figure it out. Zelda, this is a splendid occasion, is it not? It is a wonderful party for our daughter's wedding. Still, it does seem odd to me. What? Her decision to get married. To have settled on Franz Jomhar, of all people. What's wrong with Franz? He's a fine boy. Yes, but I thought Bela always found him rather dull. Aren't you pleased with the match? Oh, yes, of course. He comes from a good family and will go far. Franz is coming this way. Franz, stop dancing so soon. Oh, I'm not used to such exercise. And I, I think I've had a little too much to drink. Well, then you shall have some more. Oh, no, 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 really. Ah, uh, Franz. Vela is a lively girl. You're going to have to learn to enjoy yourself more. I'll fetch another bottle if you two will excuse me. Uh, Mrs. Clatton, could I speak to you in confidence? Yes, Franz. What is it? I, I think it's time that Vela was... Well... Oh, taken downstairs to the bridal chambers? <laughs> yes, but, but not for the reasons you think. I, I mean, not only that, but... What's the matter? Well, when we danced a moment ago, her hand was burning, and her cheek was very hot. Oh, surely you understand that, Fan. No, this was different. She seemed, well, agitated. Well, it is getting late. Perhaps her girlfriend should be prodded. Well, there's something else, too. Yes? Forgive me, but why did Vela marry me? Well, you'll have to ask her. I, I couldn't. I'd feel like a complete idiot. Is something the matter? Oh, no. I love Vela more than... More than... There, you see, that's it. I can't even find the right words to express what I feel. Now, I guess what I'm trying to, to ask, Mrs. Clatton, is... Did you influence Vela? What? Did you persuade her to accept me because... Well, because my family is wealthy? No. No. Her choice settled on you of her own free will. And believe me, Vela has never in her life done anything contrary to the dictates of her heart. Franz, here we go. A fresh bottle. If you'll excuse me, I must see if the bridal chamber is ready. It's high time Vela was smuggled off. <laughs> Yes, Mrs. Clatner. I have it on very good authority that all is prepared. But I advise you to slip down the back stairs. 
Some of the young men have planned some trickery if you go by the main stairway. Oh, thanks. Excuse me, Mr. Clarkson. Good night. <laughs> the boy's as nervous as a new clerk. <laughs> <laughs> he should be. The young men are waiting for him on the back stairs. Zelda. <laughs> well, one has to keep one's priorities straight. I couldn't spoil their fun just to save Franz a good ducking. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, that's painful. Reminds me of our wedding night. The water they dumped on me was straight from the river. Ice cold. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? She's gone. She's gone. What? Oh, Mela's gone. She's vanished. My, my, my boy, slow down. Catch your breath. Now, what do you mean? Mela's not in the bridal chamber. But how can this be? I saw the girls take her in there not five minutes ago. Well, maybe it's another prank. If it is, it's carrying things a bit too far. Well, I'll speak to the girl. That's not a trick. I'm sure of it. Now, now, calm yourself. Well, she's run away from me. No, no. Well, maybe. Well, what if some evil spirit's gotten a hold of her? Nonsense. Well, it happens, you know. They say especially on wedding nights. And especially young girls who are as good-looking as Mela is. These spirits are driven mad with jealousy. They carry their victims off, sometimes never to be seen again. Or, or if they do return them, it's with some horrible curse laid upon them. My boy, stop this talk. All of the girls swear they are innocent. If this is a prank, it's Vela's alone. Did they notice anything strange in her behavior when they took her into the bridal chamber? Well, she was nervous, of course, but that's to be expected, is it not? Oh, Ruben, we must find Vela at once. Word has spread of her disappearance. The guests are becoming frightened. They know the legend. Ah, nothing but stories. Oh. Now, come. We'll search the house at once and the garden. And if she's not here, we'll go with torches and search the whole city. Oh. What shall I do? Question the servants. Find out if they saw or heard anything amiss. Come, Franz. <laughs> Mrs. Zelda? Oh. Oh, Leibner. I didn't hear you approach. Your daughter has gone. Yes. I was watching her. Oh, where did she go? Yeah, I meant earlier, during the dancing. Oh, Oh, you really are a fool. Everyone was watching her then. Eh, but I watched differently than others. Her movements were not those of one who is enjoying herself. They were desperate, frenzied, and she looked no one in the eye. Not even Franz? And least of all him. Do you think she may have done herself harm? Do you think she's gone to the river? <laughs> I didn't know where Vela had gone or why or whether she would ever come back for that matter. I left the house as puzzled as anyone. But unlike the others, I was not frightened. Whatever was going to happen was going to happen. In this world of uncertainty, I have always been certain of that. Yes, Rabbi. I remember. We searched the entire house and the garden, and there was no trace of her. Then we took torches and scoured the city. And when you returned to Reuben Clotimer's house... She was there, sitting with her mother in the kitchen, as calm as could be. How remarkable. What is? You asked us to remember everything, and I, I remember something now that I'd forgotten. When we came into the kitchen, our burnt-out torches in our hands, Vela looked up. And she looked directly at me, into my eyes. Labe was right. 
She had avoided everyone's gaze, and most of all, mine. But now she looked at me, and I at her. And I remember a chill ran through my body. I thought, surely this woman is bewitched. But now I think we were laying eyes on each other for the first time. Yes, my son. And what it was that happened that night, I am now free to tell you. Franz and Bethel came to the rabbi's house with an argument they wished him to settle. It was a question they thought had only two sides, and one of them, they assumed, had to be right. But is this always the case? I'm reminded of a riddle. Two girls walked into the classroom on the first day of school. They were identical in appearance. They had the same last name and the same parents. Yet when the teacher asked them the obvious, were they twins, they said no. How is this possible? I'll give you the answer and the rest of our story when I return with Act 3. Why are so many people buying Buick's new Century? Well, it depends on who you ask. Mrs. Marsha Resnick? It holds the road and it drives really smooth. It's, it's nice. And Mrs. Phil Jackson? I like it because it's roomy. And Mr. Jackson, he can't even begin to tell you all the reasons why he likes their new Buick Century. <laughs> I really wouldn't know where to start. But then that says a lot about Buick's new Century and why it's drawing a crowd at your Buick dealers. Identical in looks, both with the same parents, yet they are not twins. What are they? Triplets. The third sister was home in bed, sick. This riddle should serve as a reminder that there are often three sides to every issue. Your side, my side, and the truth. And it is the truth we shall soon learn as we rejoin our story. figured the rabbi somehow knew more than the rest of us. Whenever Vela's name was mentioned, a certain look would come into his eye, a look of sorrow and tremendous respect. Then, too, I remember one particularly odd incident. It happened right after the plague had carried off their daughter. Franz and Vela were in formal mourning, and I accompanied the rabbi to their house. He went, so I assumed, to offer consolation to them both. But strangely, he spoke only to Franz. Vela deliberately kept her gaze averted. And only as we were leaving did she lift her eyes. For a brief moment, their looks met. And then departed without a word. When your bride left her parents' house on her wedding night, it was to my cottage that she came. She came here, Rabbi? It was I who heard her last words. It was to be one of the most difficult hours of my life. It was late, as you recall, but I was still at my desk, deep in study. Please. Please. Please open the door. Rabbi. Rabbi, you must let me in. I, I see your light. You are home. 
please. I must speak to you. Who, who is there? It is I, Reuben Clattener's daughter. What do you want so late at night? Please, you must let me in or I shall die at once. Well, yes, yes, by all means. Oh, thank you. Please, oh. please, you must try to calm yourself. There can be no peace for me. I, I must ask you again who you are and what you want. It is very late. Do you not recognize me? Mm. No, I don't think I do. Then I am indeed a lost soul. Are you from this community? You see, I am new here. I still don't know everyone as I ought to know. I am the woman you married not five hours ago to a husband. Ah, yes, your voice. Yes, it does sound familiar. Reuben Clotterner's daughter, you say? Yes. Oh, no, but this cannot be. I'm being visited by an apparition. Why do you say that? If you are truly she whom you say, why are you here and not with... Well, in the place where you belong. I know of no other place where I belong more than the one where I am now. The place you belong, my daughter, is in the house of your parents. And since you have today been made a wife, your place is with your husband. What... what is a wife? And who am I? Forgive me, but... That is a good question. What is it you wish of me? I have a great sin that rests heavily on my heart. And I don't know what to do. Well, what you have done can be discussed at another time. No, no. I know what oppresses me. It lies so near before me I can grasp it by the hand. Very well. You have come here to confess a great sin... Do your parents or your husband know anything about this? Who is my husband? What? I am in love with a man, but not the one you married me to today. Shh. Hush. You cannot speak of this now. I must. You are married. His name is Neftali. He is a scholar, a student of the yeshiva. I see. And he is perhaps poor? <laughs> Very poor. Ah, unfortunate, Vela. I think I begin to understand. But did you not speak of this to your parents? No. You owed them the opportunity to approve of your heart's true choice. I, uh, I, I did not think they would. You didn't? No. Ah, Vela, I'm going to ask you a question. If it is not answered honestly, you will have to leave. I will answer. Were you forced to be married? No. I was not forced to be married. My parents never once said you must. It is my, my own desire that I am what I am. But this other young man, Naftali, was he for some reason displeasing to your parents? They did not know him. But you claim just now you loved him. I, I... I must be incapable of love. I married Franz Yomar because he is the rich son of a rich man. To enter his family is to become the first lady of the community to sit buried in gold and silver. That is what infatuated me. That is why I forced myself to marry him. The gold and silver have an influence over me. More and more they cry to me, you will be the first lady in the community. And the more Franz loves me, the more I detest him. It is not Franz you detest, but yourself. That is true. He is a kind man, 
I have deceived him. I was never a liar before now. And today, when I stood under the wedding canopy and he took the ring from his finger and he put it on mine, and, and when I danced with him, uh, and they led me away. Ah, when you first entered my house, I thought this must be a, a mad woman. But only a soul conscious of its own sin could speak as you do now. Tell me what I am to do. Uh, what to do? Tell me. Do you think I have come from my parents' home merely to return again without help? You alone in all the world must tell me. Look at me. I am no wife. I will not be a wife. Tell me what I am to do. Please, Vela, stand up. Tell me first. I will not rise till then. Oh, dear Lord, who could that be? Master. I lab that fool of a sexton they've given me. Vela. Vela, can you hear me? Yes. It will be best if no one knows that you have come here. Will you rise and go into the next room until... I, I... will not move. Master! All right, all right. Vela, I... I'll put this screen in front of you, but please try to make no noise until I have dispatched this fellow. I'm coming, I'm coming. Oh, Master, a thousand pardons, but I'm afraid I had one glass of wine too many. It's all right. And it caught up with me just as I was trying to find my latch key. Oh, but... Enough, Labe. Yes, yes, Rabbi. Despite my condition, you see before you a man ready and willing to carry out the evening chores. Yeah, well, it won't be necessary tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me make amends for my condition. Well, never mind. Please, no, Master. No, uh, You don't want me to draw water from the well? Uh, no. Not bring in more wood for the fire? No. It's burning low. No. I mean, yes, I know, but uh, no. That screen is out of place. Leave it there. It's blocking the fire from warming you at your desk. Uh, but as you pointed out, the fire is burning low anyway, so what's the difference? Mm, keep this up and you too may someday be a fool. Lay, go to bed. I want to be left alone. But you are not alone. What? I can see your thoughts are with you. Go to bed. You know, Master, a most remarkable thing has happened. The bride you married today has been carried off by spirits. <laughs> That's nonsense. Mm, I know. <laughs> They're searching for her everywhere. If they were smart, they would just come to you. Huh? Well, why me? Because I'll bet you know where she is. Why do you say that? You're the rabbi. The rabbi knows everything. In fact, it's your fault. I'm a fool. <laughs> what do you mean? That's what I was always told as a child. The rabbi knows everything. That's why I never bothered to learn anything. I figured as long as someone knows it, what's to worry? So, uh, don't disappoint me, rabbi. I'd hate to have been a fool for nothing. Vela. Vela, he's gone. Yes. Now listen to me now. 
I will talk with you. I am listening. But will you do what I advise you? For I am going to say something that will terrify you. I will do anything you say. Will you swear? Yes. No. No. Don't swear yet. Not till you've heard me. I I don't want to force you. Uh, hear me then, daughter of Reuben Clutterner. You have a twofold sin upon your soul. First, you permitted yourself to be infatuated by gold and silver, for which you forced your heart to lie. With this lie, you have sought to deceive a person who has entrusted you with his all when he exchanged vows with you today. I know. But you have committed an even greater sin than this, for you have also destroyed the happiness of another person. <laughs> what can he do now when he knows what has been lost to him? No, Silence! Silence! You must never let his name pass your lips again. Why did you not speak when you could have spoken? God can never easily forgive that. To be silent, to keep secret in your breast what would have made him whom you loved happier than the mightiest monarch. Say no more. Hear now what your penance must be. You were silent when you should have spoken. Be silent now forever to all people and to yourself. From the moment you leave this house until I grant it, you must be dumb. You dare not let a word pass from your mouth. Now, will you undergo this penance? I will. Do you have the strength to do it? I shall be silent as death. Now, you must go. May I... May I say one last word? Yes. Yes, Fela. Speak. finished his story everyone sat for a very long moment in silence so there it is you see now why I rendered the judgment I did under the duress of her penance I watched Vela blossom into a woman who was not only beautiful but of wonderful character as well. So she was in love with another man. Come, Bertel, that was a long time ago. We had a good life together. And I truly think that in time she came to love me. But, Franz, can you say you were completely happy? No. Can you? Must one have everything... I had doubts about our marriage, too. But at least I can say... it turned out better than I expected. And if we could only say that much about everything... what nice lives we should all have. What nice lives, indeed. It is said we speak more with our eyes and our gestures... than with our tongues. 
Often we speak too quickly and without thought, or we say what is expected and not what is true. How much wiser we might all be if every time before we spoke, we had to chew a piece of toffee. But what about Vela's life? Wasn't her punishment too severe? A final word on that in a moment. Was Vela's punishment too harsh? Well, the story was meant as a parable, and it was written a hundred years ago when the marriage tie was far more strict than it is today. All in all, I think I'd have to say that Vela was a remarkably strong and self-possessed woman who endured. Our cast included John Beale, Norman Rose, Carol Titel, Joan Shea, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Uh, you've been out there all day. Mm, that doesn't seem to do me any good. Here I am, puffing myself at dinner time. Uh, Mr. Charles, that man sitting at the next table, do you see who I mean? That young parson, the thin fellow with the glasses, sitting with the freckle-faced girl? Uh, no, 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 not them. At the other table... Uh, the man sitting alone? Oh. Oh, yes. Sinister-looking chap. Yes, I've caught him twice looking over here at a time. Do you notice his eyebrows? <laughs> Bushiest iron things I've ever seen. Now, they don't look now, but... You know, it occurs to me... Do you suppose they could be stuck on fake eyebrows? Of course. The devil. What luck that he's here in the same hotel in St. Moritz. We track him down. But, John, we're not following him. He is following us. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.